It's not written down, you have to know it, mate. <laughs> Triple the odds on your first bet, aasport.com. Well, what, what, odds, what odds are there? Whatever you want. You don't listen. They know. Well, okay. So, triple odds on Harry Kane being the first goal scorer for England in the Euros. Where? With eight 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 in in France yeah. for the Euros 2016. Yeah. With eight 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 sport. Come on, you were on the BBC the other day. As he tweeted. Eight 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 sport forward slash West Ham. So, so really you mentioned Harry Kane. Well, we haven't got anyone. Well, Dimitri Payet scoring the first for France in Euro 2016. There it's we go. Like Triple it. the odds. Triple the odds on that. AAsport.com. Yes. Forward slash West Ham. Good. Right. We're ready we to go, begin. Denise at Mother Brown Live Awards 2016. Woo! Yes. The first of the Olympic Stadium era. I know, it's so exciting, isn't Boom. it? And there she is yeah. in all her glory. Yeah. I'm Chris Gold. Joining us this evening, welcome to the stage. She's already here. Star of the Upton Park closing ceremony, Bianca Westwood. Yay! Thanks, guys. What a time to be alive. Really is. My hair looks better tonight, though, doesn't it? <laughs> um, this is our home now. This is where we live. I know. Looks lovely, doesn't it? I know. Are we happy? Yeah. Better, isn't it? Look at that. Come on. It's better <laughs> than Ken's Cafe. Can't have a risotto there. Um, we're going to begin quickly with some feedback, because we've had a few emails from people who... Um, want us to get guests for next series. And I don't know, you can boo or cheer depending on how you feel about these particular people. Uh, we had a, an email from Richard Mayer. Just a quick one, I'm sure you've already tried. Please, can you get Scott Parker on the show? Yeah. Mild boos. Mm. Uh, he's an underappreciated West Ham legend. I do not use the word lightly. In modern times, he's a proper heart on his sleeve player who scored vital dramatic goals, carried our team for three years, during which time he won Hammer of the Year every year. Hope to hear from you. Cheers, Richard Mayer. So, Scott Parker? Yes. Can they still be considered a legend even if they go and play for Spurs? No. Oh. <laughs> Make up your mind, lads. Come on, it's a long night. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, then we'll consider that one. And then we also had an email from Andy Miller. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for keeping CJ Skull with a C in check. We all know the reason the new chance section is still there. It's because his X Factor audition came to nothing. 
So glad we haven't got to sing tonight. <laughs> or you haven't got to yeah. sing tonight. Well, there's still time. <laughs> um, any chance of David Cross as a guest? Wait, away. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, okay, we can do that. Thanks for all the, uh, the hard work on the pod this season. Andy Miller, very good. Cool. Right, it's time to begin the awards. The first one is best signing, and there's, there's a few decent contenders, Bianca. Who has won? There are a few decent contenders. We've got in... Are we doing this 3-2-1? You can do it whatever way, I think whatever we should. method you'd like. In third place, he only got 5.9%. I thought he would have got more than that. Manuel Lanzini. In second place with 15.7%, Mikhail Antonio. I wonder who got the best signing awards. Is it going to be Cole Jenkinson? <laughs> I don't think so. 68%, obviously. Just don't think you understand. Dimitri Payet. Love him. A lovely man. A lovely man. And now it's for the uh, much-heralded Worst Signing Award. Many contenders this year. Uh, the winner with 27% of the vote, Nikita Yelovich. Why are you cheering? <laughs> Usually that gets a boo. Uh, yeah, Yelovich, useless. Absolute donkey. Um, now, that's the bad players out of the way. It's time to introduce to the stage some good ones. Yes. Uh, first guest of the evening, 138 league appearances between 2003 and 2008. Scorer of a 25-yard flick and volley against Fulham is Anton Ferdinand. More man. Take a seat, Anton. Yes, I'm very well. He's looking very smart this evening, isn't he? So, um, so Anton today has been to Buckingham Palace. For tea. Yep. Uh, and you met Prince Charles? Yeah. What did you say, any banter or...? We had a little bit of banter, to be fair. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, just <laughs> hello. And uh, thanks for the invite um, to afternoon tea. He spoke more to me mum more than any, any... More than me and Rio. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and is, is there like, is it very similar to kind of banter you might have had with Hayden Mullins in the dressing room or is it completely different? Is he more kind of stiff? Um, stiff. <laughs> um, the first question I wanted to ask you is that that 25-yard flick and volley against Fulham, I mean, it's an amazing goal. Was it better than any goal scored by a West Ham striker in the period you had at the club? Yeah. Bearing in mind there is one in the room. I'm sure he'll say it himself. Uh, um, it was. Um, <laughs> but after the game, um, obviously it, Marlon set me up for that goal. Uh, but I was, uh, I was sure that he tried to set himself up. He come off of his head. He wanted it for himself, but it went over my head and I ate it. You know? <laughs> Greedy. <laughs> um, should we introduce Marlon? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Well, it says here he needs no introduction, but we'll do it anyway. Cult hero, Arsene Wenger tormentor and FA Cup semi-final goal scorer. Welcome to the stage, Marlon Harewood. There's only one Marlon Harewood. One Marlon Harewood. There's only one Marlon Harewood. I said, well, when um, everyone, I imagine everyone was at the last game and you obviously came on the big screen, there was a chant of there's only one Marlon Harewood. Why didn't you join in? 
It wasn't even just the joining in. I was shocked to go on the big screen because being a legend, she got in trouble for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I was worried about. The other thing I I said to Marlon as well, how good was his coat? It was one of the best coats I've ever seen. No, everyone's been saying that. It's just a normal coat. He doesn't even know where he got it from. No, it's just an old coat. I just pulled it out. He's just a stylish kind of guy. How classy is Marlon Harewood? He turns up the best-dressed geezer at Upton Park. He doesn't even know how he did it. Pardon? (laughs) No. Pardon? No one. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good night. See the clothes I was wearing that How night. pleased were you, though, with the reception you both got at um, the bowling that night? Because uh, they really sort of gave you a good welcome, didn't they? Um, first and foremost, being a West Ham fan and getting that type of response from uh, my fellow fans, you know, um, it was unbelievable. You know, um, there's not a, a time that I haven't come back to Upton Park and not f- felt the love from the fans and, and from the staff and from the players, you know, and um, it, it just means a lot to me, being a fan and obviously um, playing playing at Upton Park week in, week out. It just means so much to me to, to be able to come back and get a reception because I know there's a few people that don't get a reception, you mm. know, so uh, to be one of the, the, the few that do get a good reception, it means a lot to me. Oh. Hearing that, mate, is a dream come true. <laughs> it's, am- it's amazing. Um, so, Marlon, like, you signed from Nottingham Forest, obviously. Um, what, the big question that everyone would want to know, what do you remember about your first trip to the Essex nightclub scene? <laughs> <laughs> it, it ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you more 195 or, Essex, or Faces? Come on, sorry. tell us um, well, probably every day of the week, probably. <laughs> it was a different place. It, it, to be fair, it was um, it was a banter between the lads. That's how um, the team bonding was formed, really. Pards was up for that, so it was it was good for us to do that. Pards, being Pards. serious, and uh, it was it was sort of good for the lads to gel together and uh, be a group. And when we went out on the, on the pitch on a Saturday, we, we was like a sort of a family. We knew each other well and looked <laughs> after each other. Yeah. Did Pards go out as well with the lads? No, 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 no. We didn't allow that. <laughs> <laughs> but have you seen the naughty pics of him in nightclubs with loads of girls? I ain't seen them. No, I haven't. Oh, I yeah. Haven't. You're all like that, aren't you? I ain't seen them. I murder. I ain't seen them. But just touching on Marlon's point there. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to mention any names, but a few players came, they got signed to West Ham and came down from north, from up north. They came down married and within six months they were either on the rocks or divorced. <laughs> <laughs> God's honest truth. That's this London life for you. <laughs> it's so nice to hear that so many of our team talks essentially happened in faces. Yeah. Best place. That's when the truth comes out when you're, when you're off cut, aren't you? <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> you were shit the other day you were. <laughs> Um, right, well, the first, the, the third award, sorry, is for most missed. Bianca, who who did people vote as the most missed character? Uh, let me just see. Sorry, I was so engrossed in <laughs> in the chat. Order, not the following news. the running order. Most missed. Okay, well, in third place, Stuart Downing, nine point nine percent. Mauro Zarati, number two. And number one, is there anyone else really though? You can always believe in this guy. Carlton Cole, 47.7%. Boys, talk talk to me about Carlton Cole. Give me some Carlton Cole gossip. Give me some dirt. (laughs) 
where do we start with Coley? Um, really, just what you see is what you get with Coley, isn't it? Um, foot, <laughs> foot, else. foot in the mouth type of guy, you know. Like um, Nobes, Nobes had a story about when uh, Carlos first signed, and um, was 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 eating at a table, and Carlos couldn't speak any. Uh, that's Tevez. If you're wondering who Carlos was, Tevez <laughs> um, couldn't speak any English at the time, and Colton was going. Flipping hell, Carlos. What's that on your neck? <laughs> you put me off my dinner. You put me off my dinner. And, oh, um, no. but, the, but what Coley didn't know was that the interpreter told Carlos what he had said. <laughs> and the, ne the next day in training, he, Carlos absolutely left one on, on Colton and scraped all the way down his shin. You know, so, but that's what, that's what Coley was like. He was a live wire in the dressing room. Someone that, if you weren't sharp, he would put you to bed quickly, you know, and, and like like what you see on the pitch, he's wholehearted in the pit on the pitch and he was like that with every one of his teammates, whether it be banter or whether it be talking to talking on a personal level, which I did because me and him were really close. Um but like I said, he he's, he's an all round nice guy and someone who, who in your dressing room you need people like that and characters like that and someone on the pitch you can look to them and know they're gonna be in the trenches with you. Mm. Mm. Oh Carlton Marlon. Come on, beat that for gossip. I can't. Having a go at Carlos. He's being very tamed, so I can't <laughs> say anything to that really because that story I was about to say myself because um, all the other stories you can't really mention. <laughs> so he, he, he done really well getting first on that one. But well, we call him CC. He was he was uh, very well loved in the dressing room. Um, like I said, he used to be there with all the lads when we used to go out and uh, enjoy ourselves, and he was amongst one of them that did enjoy himself, which was, which was good. And we had a lot to talk about. And then obviously on the pitch, he, as a striker myself, it was good to play up alongside him. You always knew what you get from CC, and um, I enjoyed playing with him. And uh, he's a very good lad, to be fair. So you say he's respected in the dressing room, but, but what about respect where it counts, faces nightclub? <laughs> I left him at the door a few times, I'll be honest. <laughs> 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 um, cool next award greatest disappointment and there's a lot to choose from yeah we haven't had too many seen. disappointments this season though have we I mean number three leaving the bowling ground that was a disappointment but for good reasons we hope uh, second place the FA Cup defeat to Manchester United that's probably my biggest disappointment this season and at number one everybody seems to agree referees inconsistency We've had a few Boom. shocking decisions, haven't we, go against us. Marlon, it's obviously some sort of conspiracy conducted by lizards that we haven't... <laughs> so, I mean, what's happened there? I don't know, really, because obviously watching a couple of games, the, the referees have been very disappointed at Upton Park because some of the decisions didn't go away, games that we could have won and games that we could have been in Europe as well. So it's, uh, it's a bit hard, really. Yeah. Anton, what do, you, do you think we've been hard done by, by referees this season? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, some shocking decisions, you know, but this is football and it swings and roundabout, roundabouts, you know. Um, this year we didn't get the decisions, but next year hopefully we will do. Yeah. Do you think there's anything in it? Because Chris is absolutely Mate, adamant it's that there is... an absolute done deal that there's some sort of conspiracy. conspiracy against us. Um, like I said, it's, um, it's just football. When you're, when you're playing and you're in it, and things happen, you know, sometimes you want to absolutely abuse the ref. Mm. 
you know, because you think they've got something against you. You know, um, like it's the same with when you're in the stands, it's the same, you know. Um, but like I said, it swings and roundabout. Like one day you might get a penalty, the next day you won't. You know, it, it, all, it all comes back around again. Yeah. Um, my, dad, my family friend Wayne's on the front row and he's been put in charge of delivering us drinks all night and he's decided he'd leave them on the fucking bench. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on here, mate? I can see Anton's getting nervous. So are you going to complete the job or what? You're going to bring them up? You're in the right. Here we go. Round of applause for Wayne. <laughs> He's got one. Whoa. Oh, fuck me. He's got one job, the geese. There you go. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah, there you go. Now, if you're a pro like me and you did this last year, you can balance them on the ledge. Thank you. <laughs> or you can hang on to it. Yeah, mate. Right, hang on. Where are we? Most memorable <laughs> right. match? Yes. What are we talking about? Most memorable match. Okay. Um, third place, Everton at Goodison Park. We won 3-2. We beat Everton at last. Um, number two, Anfield, 3-0 against Liverpool. Yes. That was lovely, wasn't it? And um, the top one, no surprise really, the final, uh, final game at the Bowling. West Ham 3, Manchester United 2. Oh, what a How night. nice is that? Um, boys, you were both there. What was your, what was your take? I, mean, it was, I felt like it was an amazing night. Yeah, it was an amazing night. Um, <laughs> on the way there, um, I had a driver to bring me there. Um, I don't think no one else Ooh. knows this, this story. <laughs> but the thing... <laughs> The, the driver, um, there was some accident or something happened on the way and I was going through Ilford and literally I was about half an hour away because we had to be there about half past six. So I said to the driver, look, I'm going to have to get out here. And he, he just said to me, okay. So I just jumped out and got onto the train. So I was on the train, obviously holding my head down, going through the... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> you know, no one saw me, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I got there a bit late, but and then I had to run down the tunnel to cool down because I was sweating and it was so hot outside and the, the entrance and something. Sorry, I think it was. <laughs> make a great coat. Couldn't take it off. <laughs> so it probably got nicked off me. <laughs> but yeah, and a t-shirt, obviously. <laughs> but that that night was amazing. Just whole thing in the situation turning up to Upton Park getting through the crowd and everything is just everyone seems to be emotional and everyone was up for it I'm not surprised the, the Man U bus got got done in by the way it did because coming to there on the last game of the season they're, they're asking for trouble to be fair um, it was just the whole night was amazing it was amazing was it the best atmosphere you've known at Upton Park um, as being in the stand yeah the best, the best. But for for me, playing was probably was talking about on the night. I ain't heard it like that since the um, playoffs. the playoffs against Ipswich. Ipswich. When we went, the year we went up, uh, that was phenomenal. But yeah. um, just fitting the way that last game went, you know, couldn't have been, couldn't have gone any better. Couldn't have been written that, you yeah. know. But don't do it easy, do we? Not at all. Just the West Ham way. We never do it easy, <laughs> do we? Just the way it is. Um, you mentioned it there so I wanted to talk about a few famous games you both played in and the, the Ipswich playoff final which we obviously we got to that five, this playoff final that year lost but the semi-final was insane and Pardew whipped us up something insane 
Um, what did he? What did he do to the players before that game? Like, he was, to- was talking about. Um, did we play that? Um, you know that film. That what's his name? Oh, any given Sunday. Yeah, oh, inches. The one about inches. That's the one you won, I think. Yeah, yeah. that was that was the that one. That was two thousand and five. The one that we won. Yeah. Yeah. We, st- we played, played in the dressing room. Yeah. That everyone was just like listening to it, tapping, and then to the towards the end, everyone's going. Ah! <laughs> 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 so it was it was a good atmosphere to be fair at, at that game so uh, it was probably one of my best moments in that dressing room with all the lads to be fair yeah. you know, I think it was you know like um, the lads knew how big the game was you know obviously the previous year not going up yeah you know so we knew we had to get out that year in terms of parachute payments and stuff like that so there was a lot of pressure on the, there was a lot of pressure on us in that game you know um, but we had a lot of players in the team who who thrived on pressure which helped Matty Everton, Marlon, you know, thrived on pressure. Teddy, you know, uh, a young Martin Elwood at the time, loved pressure, you know. Um, and, it, you know, I think the gaffer playing that, uh, the gaffer playing that, but he's calm and influence as well. Not just, he played that for a reason, to let us know that, to, so we knew how big the game was and, and to get us amped for the game. But he also had a calming presence, which when we went out on the pitch, we was amped up for the game. But we're professional about it. And I think a lot of that came from him because he was so calm in, within the dressing room. Do you think Paz gets enough credit for what he did for West Ham during that time? Because it was a, a great couple of years, wasn't it? Um, Cup final as well. Yeah, it was a great couple of years. I mean, um, who gets enough credit? Is this one of those? I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but he done what he got paid to do, you know? And um, that's, that's that's it. He got he done what he got paid to do, and and you know, was he as, was he as big time as everybody kind of made him out to be at that time? No, no, not at all. I mean, if anyone had an ego, he would shoot him down straight away. No one could come in our dressing room and have an ego, you know. And um, be fair, we had quite a few to be fair, but they were never ever as as big as they probably would wanted to be because he wouldn't allow it, mm. you know? Um, and as I say, I say it proudly, he's probably the best manager I've had in my whole career, you know? Um, better than Roy Keane? Yeah, 100 <laughs> times better than Roy Keane. Yeah. Controversial. I'm not saying Roy Keane wasn't good. I'm not saying he weren't good, because he was uh, in different ways, but Pardew. Um, what was so good about at Pardew? For someone, I was young at the time, and. As everyone knows in here, I've done a few stupid things as a youngster. and um, Some of them weren't even in faces. Exactly. Some of them were across the pond in America. Um, but um, he treated me like an adult, you know. He, kn- he knew at times I was out when I shouldn't have been. And I remember him bringing me into the office one time and saying to me, listen, Anton, I know what you're doing. I know you've been out. He said, but... At the moment, it ain't affecting you on a Saturday. He said, the minute it starts affecting you in training and on a Saturday, I'm going to hurt your pocket and I'm going to come down. I'm going to come down heavy on you. And as a young as a young player, you you got to take that really, you know, because he could have took me out of the team, but he never. He trusted me as a player to deal with it myself. And and you know, luckily I never got to the point where it did start to affect my Saturdays, you know. Um, so I carried on doing what I was doing. <laughs> 
Um, Marlon, you were on the podcast obviously this season, and uh, you love Pards, right? You can't, you absolutely can't get enough of him. No, I can't because, um, like Anton says, I think he he dealt with the players that he he uh, very well, and he, he obviously knew the characters that he wanted to bring in, and the people that he brought in, he, he sort of nurtured them and studied them and whatever they needed he'll he will give them and if they needed an arm random he'll give them an arm if they needed a telling off he'll give them a telling off so he, he was really good in that sense and I think that's why a few of us like him because he, he treats us like men and he just wants us to enjoy life and on the Saturday all he, that's all he was bothered about on the Saturday and long as we was producing on the Saturday that's all he was bothered about mm. and obviously if there was stuff outside of outside of work he'll he'll deal with it and help us out but I think um, the way he dealt with the time that he was at, at West Ham was, was excellent for me as well. What about when um, Mascherano and Tevez came to the club and he obviously had that to deal with? Yeah. Uh, did that upset the apple cart a little bit? Um, I think it did, for part anyway, because I don't think he had, uh, had a say in the matter, to be fair. And then, obviously, that we didn't really know who they was and, until they started training and stuff, and they, they were unreal. So, but, but Pards, to be fair, had to, he, he, to be fair, he stuck, stuck with the lads that he had there. Um, and it was, I think he was getting a bit of a, a headache from upstairs because obviously the, the type of players that he was bringing in. And then from then, it, I think things started going a bit pear-shaped for Pards because he couldn't really do what he wanted to do. So that season was hard because people upstairs were telling him they needs to be playing these and he didn't want to play them. He wanted to stick with the the team that got him to where he was. So sometimes football goes like that, really, and it, it was hard for him. But they were, they, they were good players, and they were unreal, to be fair, to work with them as well. But that, that shows uh, what type of a guy he is, you know. He, yeah. he, he's loyal. Mm. A very, very loyal guy. He um, went to... He, he just think, you've got Mascherano and Tevez walking in the door, but he wants to play the players that Hayden have got Mullins. in there. Hayden Mullins. <laughs> who... You laugh, but you laugh. Yeah, but but you you, you but laugh, but for for me in that team, Hayden was probably the most important player in our team. You know why is that? Because yeah. he he um he done the work that people don't get credit for. You yeah. know that like, um what's the the huh? The Leicester player. The Leicester what, player. Kante. Kante. Yeah. Just like that. He's like he was like he was Did like that. He done the he done the graph, but could play as well. You know, and and he was probably our most important player at that time. You know, and, and it was uh, it was either him or Mascherano that was going to play because they played a similar they played a similar role. Mm. You know, and it just showed what Pards was about. It's about loyalty, and he, he he knew what Hayden was capable of, and it gave Hayden the confidence to to go on and play, and, and was unbelievable. Yeah, I kept Carlos Terras out. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your back of your shirt. Trust yeah, me. not many people can say that. It's ones to tell the kids. <laughs> um, Hold on a minute. Is this, is this being recorded? You better, you better get that. Let's <laughs> um, talk a couple of like, like I said, most like amazing games you played in. Um, wanted to talk about the FA Cup semi-final against Middlesbrough. Many people say it's the greatest day of their life, and I, I might be in that gang. Um, it was the greatest day out I've had. Oh my West god! Just amazing. to see Steve McLaren fail on such a big stage. For that alone, <laughs> outside of European qualifiers, who An- said again? Who said again? <laughs> um, Anton, before the game, like, were you? Did you feel like we were going to win the FA Cup that year? You know what? When we got to that game, I don't know. Did you feel there was just an air about it that 
we was felt I felt like we just couldn't lose the game. It was that type of air around the place. When I st- when I got to the game, went out onto the pitch to like look at the pitch, see what boots I was going to wear and stuff. I just felt like there was an air about the place that we just can't lose this game, you know. And I I remember I was playing right back. I played right back in that game, and um, we was in a tunnel before the game, and I was playing against uh, Stewie Downing, who I was who I who I was in the England on twenty ones with. And I remember being in a tunnel and I, I turned to him and I said, Stewie, I know we might be mates, but if a ball goes out at your feet more than two yards, I'm going to smash you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he never come near me the whole game, to be fair, <laughs> after that. Um, but no, when, when, we was, when I got to the ground and I went on the pitch, there was just an air that I thought we, was never gonna, we were never going to lose this. You know, and um, the way we won it with Marlon's strike, you know, and, and, and seeing the fans erupt, you know, I remember um, even in the game when uh, Stewie, I think Stewie was running down, down the line and I could hear the fans say, in the first couple of rows saying, smash him, fucking smash him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just little things like that, which you don't normally hear when you're playing. But I heard them on that day. It was, it was, it was a mad day, but to see the fans erupt the way they did and to, to realise and, and know that we got to the final of the FA Cup was just unbelievable. And, I remember we was on the pitch for about half hour after, weren't we, celebrating and dancing as we did, me and Marlon, back in the day, at uh, every opportunity yeah. that was given us. And Nigel, we're quite, we yeah. had a few little moves Th- that in was his locker. The yeah, out. But, it, it, <laughs> but Nigel can't dance, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> he can't dance. People, you got the assist, right, for Marlon's goal? Yeah, it was, a, it was a noteful bang up the park, I'll be honest. People talk about the goal, but I don't think enough attention is put on the assist. Do you want, this is your moment. Well, um, I saw Marlon. I looked up and I saw him, and I thought, um, I'm going to play it to him. So I did, and then Marlon done the rest. <laughs> Marlon, pick up the story. So Dino heads it down. It was uh, it was quite a strange game. It was um, no, it was going it was going nowhere really. No one was uh, having clear cut chances or making a making it on goal it's just like it was a bit one of them games like it was, looks like it's going to go to extra time and penalties and stuff and and to be fair I think it, um, Anton done one of the done one long ball um, before that and uh, Dino didn't get the flick on or something happened and then it came to Anton again from a knockdown and then he did it again and then I think Dino made sure this time and I thought to myself you know what I'm going to have to try and get on to the end of this so as it came up, and I, I sh- obviously we, as partners, I think you don't you don't see that as strike partners. I screamed at Dino to like say I'm screaming I'm here, so he can obviously see where I was, and he just knocked it down. And then obviously the rest is history, really. I just had to, I made sure I, it was my left foot as well, my weakest foot. I'll, and to be I just fair, when, to it, when, it so it, when it went on the left foot, I thought I'd oh, no go. But, <laughs> <laughs> so. But, but to be fair, in my head, like obviously on my left foot, I just thought, you know what, I've got to hit this so sweetly and, and there's so much power really and, and then that's what happened and it just went in and then obviously after that, God, I couldn't even hear myself because the fans was unreal. I just felt the floor shaking and it just made me take my top off and go crazy and then, and then I just felt all the lads coming on top of me and I couldn't, couldn't everyone was screaming and I couldn't hear anything because the fans were unreal. It was just, it was... 
I can't really describe it because obviously you have to be in the moment to actually feel and go through what I went through, but it was unreal and it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I, and I appreciate all the fans for uh, making that happen. It was, uh, it was a good, good, good time for me in my career. One of the greatest moments of our life. But just that celebration, you, you recreated it, Mark Noble says, you put it in the net, <laughs> you take the shirt off, you're celebrating. Lines was flagged, what? I know. Killed me, didn't it? <laughs> there was all sorts going on in that game, like linesman throwing it in as a throw-on and everything, and he put he gets me offside. God, I was fuming. I went and spoke to him after the game as well. What are you doing? <laughs> it ruined it for me. <laughs> um, next award, most improved player. This Ma is weird, this. The winner yeah, of most a, improved. It's a, it's a bit weird. The most improved player, as voted for by Knees Up Mother Brown, Mikel Antonio. Yeah, they obviously think it's weird as well. <laughs> Everyone's like, why? <laughs> I don't know. You voted, yeah. it's your problem. Yeah, Mikel Antonio. I guess it's because he started badly and got better. I don't he think didn't he started play for like badly. Didn't, he didn't, didn't, didn't even, really didn't start. start. He didn't even start badly. He didn't, didn't even start. Yeah. You know what I mean, guys. Um, yeah, Mikel Antonio. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk for a second about Alan Kerbishley, Anton, right? You had, but you had beef. You had beef. Um, did you like him as a man? Yeah, I liked him as a man. What about as a football manager? We had our differences. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had our differences. But, um, you know, although we had our differences, he still played me. He respected me as a player. And I have to give him credit and thanks for that. You know, a lot of managers might have not played me because we had our differences, but um, which I've had in the past. But... Um, I have to give respect to... to <laughs> That's a good word to use. Yeah. I have to give... Had our differences, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know what? You know, oh. Here we go. Here we go. Go on. No, you know... Go on. <laughs> let's, get, let's get to it. Let's get to it, mate. What are you talking about? Uh, Charlton? Away. That's a good word to use. Differences. We are our differences. What was, it? What was the problem? Um. Why didn't you get on? Yeah, these differences. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think, you know, it was, um, it was a tough time. You know, um, at the club at that time, when the year that we nearly got relegated, yeah. and uh, we had changed from pards to to curbs, and um, we were doing the same thing. We were losing still, you know. And being a player and being a fan, it was really getting to me. And I was, at the time, I was hearing a lot of the same things that I was hearing before, and uh, we lost against Charlton uh, away four nil. And that was the turning point for me. We went into the dressing room and, and Curb said something, uh, something about uh, we got to do better and, uh, and I just lost my head. And I was just, and then I, just went, I just went off on one and no one could stop me. You know, I was, I, it, it was along the lines of, it was along the lines of, I can't say what I said in there, but it was along the lines of... <laughs> Mate, we're doing off the record after this. Say, um, it keep was your powder dry. Yeah, it was just it was just one of those things where um, just heat the moment. Heat at the moment, you know. Uh, I had my fans' head on as well as a player, and I just lost the plot for for a good five. It might have been ten, but if, <laughs> but uh, say five minutes. And um, to be fair, our season changed after that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, so I'm not. <laughs> Anton Fernandez, like the man who saved our season, right here. <laughs> what an honour. 
What an honour to have him in his company. Thank you. It was a bit like that, to be fair, because, uh, really? yeah, sometimes in dressing rooms you don't see, things were said that obviously needed to be, to be said after losing a couple of games and stuff. So it's sometimes it's Anton started it off, really, because he obviously being a fan and that, he, he lost his head and things needed to be said. And after that game, like he said, we went on a good run. So it's like a realisation to some of the lads, like, bloody hell, we need to start pulling a finger out here. And obviously things were said... Anton said some stuff and Curb said some stuff and everyone was saying some stuff and after that I think we pulled through so it sort of, it sort of was a good omen that he did <laughs> he did lose his head and he needed that because obviously Anton was a, a fan and it, it took to him and it, it touched him so it, it, it kicked on from there so it was quite good that he did that to be fair yeah. well, well done, done Anton um, it's time for the next the award is goal of the season now, many contenders. I'm going to do the, the top three because yeah? you have to do top three for this one. In third place, believe it or not, Dean Ashton's overhead kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a testimonial, what is wrong with you? In second place, Dimitri Payet's free kick against Man United. And this is by far my favourite. Dimitri Payet. Free kick versus Palace. What a goal that was. She Goals. cracked straight on to uh, worst player of the year directly afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anto, mate, have you never seen the KMB Awards? Uh, this is How a many times did I win that? <laughs> Over the years. How many times? Seriously. This is I'm 19 years. This is 19 years. I this is the one it won't no, be. I don't, think, I don't know. He'll know. Oh, I wasn't there then, so. <laughs> He's going to find out your back. Must have won. If it, it is, we won't tell you. <laughs> okay, worst player of the year. Third place, Nikita Jelovic. Second place, Enna Valencia. And in first place, which I think is really unfair and sad, Carl Jenkinson. Someone, someone in the back laughing. Jesus, mate. That's harsh. I have a day off. He, um, didn't, he didn't have a great start to the season, though, did he? Bless him. So, so that was the word for worst player. Like, and one of the worst, me worst memories of your time. But actually, like you say, Anton, this was the spur that kind of kept us up in the, the Kerbishley season was when we lost 4-3 um, to Spurs at home. And there's, when we, the last farewell Berlin, they showed their Carlos Tevez goal a lot that day. And I mean, how we lost that game is insane. You both played that day. What are your memories of that defeat to Tottenham? Um, so I was gutted on the day. Absolutely gutted on the day. Um, losing to Tottenham is never nice. You know, um, never nice losing to Tottenham, whether it be home or away. Um, but in the manner that we did in the last minute, you know, and um, from our own corner, it was criminal more than anything to to um, to lose. It was just, you know, we're we're at home, we're at home, and it's um, cheers, and it's free, free, and uh, we're going for the win. That's that's what the thought process. Maybe looking at now, we should have maybe uh, sat off and, and took the draw at the time. A point would have been better than anything um, than, than than no points, but. Um, as I say, the West Ham way, we're at home, we want to win the game, you know. I always say to people, when you play at home at West, for West Ham, you're expected to win games in, in the right manner. You know, whether you're playing against the Man United, whether you're playing against the Man Cities, you're expected to win games. And if you don't win games, people want to know why. 
you know. So I think that was a bit of, there was a bit of that in us that we're free, free. We got a corner. We're gonna go and win the game. Um, but in hindsight, maybe we should have um, settled for the point, you know. Um, and they they snuck it in the last minute off of uh, breaking off of our corner. Yeah. Marlon, did you think we were relegated after that result? I did, I did. Um, to be fair, I remember that game as well. It was quite heartbroken. I think a few of the lads in the dressing room, we, we, we obviously sat down and no one was really talking because it was a devastation, really. Because I think I, I was chasing chasing him down um, after their corner. Um, it was it was a bit of a bad time that that was, really, for, in my career. Um, going in the dressing room and trying to analyse the game and think what, what was going on, really. Um, it was it was uh, it was a bad time to be fair for us. Obviously, expectations like Anton says of uh, being a being a West Ham player and the expectation of the West Ham fans is it's good really what you lot got and how you want to achieve stuff and we feel that and we want to go out there and do the best we can and to to think after that game that feeling we had was was horrible to be fair. You've played for other clubs now. Do you find that West Ham has probably had the most expectation on their, on their players? You've played for QPR, you've played for Sunderland. Yeah, I mean... Um, do they expect as much at other clubs as they do at West Ham? Um, at Sunderland they did, but Sunderland's a, a small city, so... A small town, sorry, so... Um, <laughs> so good dig, um, good dig. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... Um, you know, um, anything you do, or when you when you can't go out of your house, if you lose a game, you can't go out of your house up there. But in terms of expectation of beating big teams at home, I've never I've never witnessed anything like West Ham. You know, obviously I know coming from the the turnstiles and from the stands to the pitch, I know what's expected. You know, and um, as I said, I've I've played for QPR. It's not the same there. Pay for Reading. I say to the boys at Reading. Um, you lot don't know what pressure is, you know, because um, at Reading, got thousands of cops exactly, screaming at you. Exactly, but <laughs> at, at Reading, people go to the games because they're going to afford it. At West Ham, people go to the games because they work hard all week to go to the games, so they have a right to say what and say and give their opinion on, on how you've played, you know, and and um, that, that's what comes with playing for West Ham, you know, and um, if you if you can't deal with it, then West Ham's not the place for you. To be fair, I, I, I did feel that because I, when I was a kid, I went to Forest and um, the expectation at Nottingham Forest was sort of the same as West Ham. And I didn't really know um, what the expectation was really like until I went to West Ham, to be fair, because how everyone are and talk about and the way they talk about things, they are literally so passionate. I, I suppose it's at every club, everyone's passionate about their own club, but... When I obviously joined West Ham, I didn't really understand what football was until I joined that club. And obviously this is why I'm, I'm here and trying to talk about it because I, I feel very privileged that I can come here and talk to West Ham fans and t t tell them what I've been through and to experience and try and uh, explain to them like, as a fans that what we do actually go through and what we feel from you lot as, as, a, as a player is fantastic. Oh. And that is why you're both lovely men. Just, just know that. Um, <laughs> young player you, of the year. Point out for the record that 
Most improved. Most improved player. Two thousand four, two thousand. I must stop him. I must stop. <laughs> Goal of the season for the goal against oh, 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 I love right. that. There you go. There you go. Did you get your trophies? No. Right, have a word. No, I didn't. Um, right, young player of the year now, Bianca. Young player of the year. Well, in third place, Martin Samuelson. In second place, Reese Burke. And in first place, Reese Oxford. Right. Um, has Reese Oxford got what it takes? Some player, the boy. He's a player. Yeah, yeah he's a player. You know, um, you see West Ham all through him. When you watch him play, you see West Ham in him. You know, um, don't kick the ball out of play unless he really has to. You know, always looking for a pass, composed on the ball. You know, uh, looking for a solution, not to kick it long, but to, to, to play the ball on the, on, the, on the pitch. That's West Ham through and through. You can see it all through him. When do you think his breakthrough will come? Do you think it'll be next season? Yeah, I think if he if he gets a run of games next season, it'll be hard because some big hitters in his in his position. But if he gets an opportunity to play and gets a run of games, I think he'll stake a claim and, and claim the position for himself. Mm. Oh, Reese Oxford. Um, so now I'm just going to chuck some names at the two of you, and you can tell me what you think about them. Hey. And some gossip if you've got any. Could be fun. Could be fun. First name, Nigel Rio Coca. Talk to me. Nigel. Nigel. I absolutely love Nigel. He's he's an amazing man. He looked after us. He's probably one of... Actually, is the best skipper <laughs> I've had um, in my footballing career. Um, such, a, such a young man to take on such a, a mentor, obviously, at West Ham as well. And um, he, he is amazing. He's the moodiest guy alive, but um, he he looked after everybody. Everybody, he just he wouldn't worry about himself. He just look after everybody, do everything for the lads. And he, he, he for me, he was amazing, and he looked after me very well for such a young lad. Nigel. Um, to be fair, in that stage, everyone who mentioned Nigel mentioned my name, and everyone who mentioned my name mentioned Nigel because we were together. Um, but as Marlon said, the moodiest guy you'll ever meet in a dressing room. I mean, if you spoke to him before 11 o'clock in the morning, you got absolutely nothing off of him. You know, he wasn't the morning person, you know. And in that time, when he used to come into training, he used to get abused, didn't he? In the morning, hey, every, every day. day, in the every morning. Because Clothes, you, because hanging up, exactly. shoes, teared up. Everything. Because, because you knew you'd get a reaction out of yeah, him because he was so moody. Because he was so, so moody, that's the lads just wanted to play on it and he, yeah. he, he, he got even more moodier. It just <laughs> wouldn't talk to anybody, yeah. actually. You just, you just see him rolling his eyes and kissing his teeth and going... <laughs> <laughs> that's all you see so, him doing. You know, you'd be on, on to him about his head being big or, you know, or, or, or something like that or about his clothes. Saying, what have you come as today, son? What have you come as? <laughs> and, you know, and he'd be like... <sighs> and he wouldn't even say nothing. You'd try to, to get something out of him. He wouldn't say nothing. And he'd go, you know what? You're taking my kindness for weakness, you know? That's what you're doing. <laughs> you know? That's his favourite saying. That was his favourite saying, you know? But as, as, a, as a player and as a captain, you know, um, I've got nothing but admiration for the guy. For someone to come in so young and be a captain of such a big club like West Ham and do it the way that he done it, you know? I mean... You as fans saw him on the pitch. He gave his all week in, week out. 
you know, he might, might not have left on the best terms, but in a West Ham shirt, he gave his all, you know, and um, as a captain, you know, the things that you lot don't see in terms of making sure the lads are all right, making sure that the the, uh, the bridge between the manager and the, and, the, and the squad being okay, he had a big part to play in that, you know, being a captain and... and as I say, for someone so young, he had he had he had a, um, he had a, um, what's the word? For someone so young, he had authority, authority yeah, and maturity in his head, you know, and and you know that might have been where he was moody. He he, he took time out and 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 thought about things before he done it. You know, he's opposite to me. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, we've got some more names. Carlos Tevez, we've touched on him earlier. What what was he like? Carlos was he was a great lad. He was just a no, I don't know really. I can't really explain because he didn't really speak much of English, but he tried, and mm. the, the the words that he he, he learned are all swear words. So <laughs> <laughs> was you there that time? Was you there when we went Embassy nightclub in London? Was you there yeah, when he was yeah, out? Yeah. <laughs> But Joe's at the time, so like obviously when we were on the pitch and something something happens, he was like, fuck off. Like everything like that, or you, you fucking dickhead. And just it just that's the only words he sort of learned, because that's the that's the words we taught him. It was so, it was quite funny really, because um, that's the only only words he, he was saying like to to through the lads. But obviously football, you don't really need to talk to do football. Um we, it's just um your feet really and you know where to be and he's obviously world class and it showed in training him and Javier they were just unreal but um, Tevez he was funny he was funny I mean uh, um, Carlos um, I remember we went out one night and he came out first time he came out of us we went to Embassy in London nightclub in, in London and I remember him just being on the dance floor dancing all night and people going oh my god that's Carlos Tevez. <laughs> he was on a dance floor. I don't know if you've been on YouTube and seen his um, him doing something for like Cartoon Network Argentina, Argentina, and he's like dancing about and doing. He's got a disgraceful haircut, but dance. he's doing something. He's dancing. That was him on a dance floor in a nightclub. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, but as as a person, you know, th- that shows it. He's come over to a country. He don't speak a word of English. And he's out in a nightclub with the lads. That yeah. just epitomises the guy that he was. Was he surprised to, to be there? Because, you know, he turned up at West Ham with Javier yeah. Mascherano. Um, they, and they, and they looked like they were fish out of water. I think, I think he was surprised to be there until he stepped out on the pitch at Upton Park. And then he realised what, what this place was about. Yeah. You know, I think you guys was a big help for that. Because, obviously, he played in Argentina before that. And played in Brazil before that, where it's it's known for mad crowds and stuff. And then when he came when he came to to, to London and came to West Ham, I think when he came to training, I think he was like, "What, what have I turned up at? What, yeah, he what's this?" Really, he didn't really he didn't know really what know West Ham was all really about know. until um, I think until we played his first game, and then he understood. Oh, I might, I like it here. Yeah, start putting think, his finger out. I think so. that's what it was. And, and then in training, to be fair, in training. He never got out of second gear in training. Oh. And I, I just remember him always trying to nutmeg Matty Upson. Always trying to <laughs> nutmeg him. Didn't he? Always. Always trying to nutmeg. He would just, he'll get the ball, try and nutmeg, not get not get it. Or if he'd done it, he'd just start laughing. That's what he was about. <laughs> that, he was the most chilled, relaxed guy in training. I couldn't believe it. Because I, I say to youngsters nowadays, I said, you can't turn the, t- the, turn the switch on and off. You can't train bad and train rubbish and not put yourself have an appetite for training That's and then so get true. on the pitch and do it he's the one player I've seen do it he's the only player I've seen do it 
who can go to training with his socks rolled over his boots, ankle socks rolled over his boots, and just be and not so get above back. a jog. <laughs> and then come Saturday, he's the best player on the pitch. He's the only player I've seen do it. Um, one more name uh, before we the last three categories. Mark Noble, testimonial year captain. Oh no, God. What is he like? I've heard he's the stupidest player in the dressing room. He is funny, guy. He comes out with some stuff. You're like, you're looking at him, you're like, is that really coming out of your mouth? It's like, weird. But, oh, it's, it's, it's amazing for me to like witness things like that because it, it, when we was there, he was a young lad, like 16, year, and he weren't phased about anything. Obviously, being a West Ham fan as well, he's just... He just weren't phased, and obviously he came in and he was a quality player as a young lad. It was him and uh, Chrissy Cohan, and them two came in a pair, and they used to train with us all the time. weren't phased, used to go in for tackles, used to do everything like that. And it, it to see him grow up now to, into a man and to be a leader, it's, 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 it's amazing really to see where he's come from and and what he's achieved in his career. But it's just the stories that we have about him and what he comes out with is so funny. <laughs> Well, I can't, I, I can't speak. I can't speak highly. I can't speak high. I, there's nothing I can say about this guy. You know, he's he's Mr. West Ham. He's he's younger than me, but as a fan, he's someone I look up to massively. You know. Um, Did you expect him to do what he has done? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But I use him as a as a um, example to young kids coming into a first team. I remember his first training session. I think he was 15 with the first team. Um, I was I was what I was 17 18 and he was 15 or whatever and um, we were training on in the indoor gym and at that time um, <laughs> Steve Lomas was still playing um, Don Hutchison Don Hutchison and um, I remember him training and he was playing in midfield with Steve Lomas and I remember <laughs> him going Lomi he was asking for the ball and Lomi weren't giving it him and he went, Lomi, give me the fucking ball. <laughs> and he's 15 years old. 15. And I, and I remember thinking, fucking, is he taking a piss here? <laughs> saying, that, saying that to one of the senior players. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, the next time Lomi got the ball, we'll give it him. It, it did. Um, That's but what Lo, but, the, but Lomi waited for him to give it away so he could hammer him. But <laughs> as we know, nobs don't give the ball away. So he... He, he didn't get to him and, and, and that was that. But I use him as an excuse. When you come up with a first team as a young player, you've got to be unfazed. You've got to, not got to care. If there's a ball there to be won, you win it. If you hurt somebody, you hurt them. Because evidently, you want their place in the team. That's the way it goes. That's, that's the way football is. That's you know? like. And that's the, way he, that's the way he was. And he's always been like that. You know? and, and, and that's why he's a leader of men. He's a leader of, of this team. He's a leader of this club. Because it means so much to him. And I remember him in that training session... You know, I, I said after that training session, this boy is going to be a fucking player, I tell you. And he's going to play in our, in, in our team, you know. And, and he, he's gone on to do great things. And as I say, he's Mr. West Ham. I've got nothing but, but praise for, for him. And, and as I said, as a fan, I look up to him. And as a player, I look up to him as well. Martin Noble. Oh. Well, that probably brings us on to the next award, doesn't yeah, it, really? So it ties in nicely. One of the heroes of the club to one of the biggest wankers in the world. It's time for Hackett of the Year. Yeah. Okay, so now I've got to follow that and say... <laughs> this is off the record. I'm not saying he's a wanker. Roy Hodgson. Hackett of the Year, Roy Hodgson. What a twat. <laughs> I am distancing myself from this. Um, no I mean, uh, no comment. No let's comment. talk about England, right? Roy Hodgson is obviously an absolute dickhead. 
I, I won't call Talk him a dickhead, me. just being polite, because I'll, I'll probably get in trouble, not like you. But I would get it, in it, trouble. The, the situation, obviously, being a, a senior player now and just look at, on lookout, it's, it, I, I, going through the years of being a professional footballer and obviously trying to play for England and seeing what goes on, but now taking a, a, sit, uh, a seat back and looking onto it, and watching, obviously, the Premier League for this year, it's, it's amazing that, that how many players are not in that England team that have played all season and done so well. It's just, I just don't, I just really don't understand what they go to see and go to games and watch. Because some of the players that, um, I don't really care now, some of the players that are, um, that are in that squad don't even play for their club, don't even, even play all season. They've only just played the last two games of the season. And there's players that played this year have been on, on fire because obviously the Premier League's been, it's turned up, turns upside down really because obviously Leicester, um, they've, they've won the Premier League and they, they've won it comfortably and, and fair play to them. They, they've, they've won it with uh, the, the team bonding and everything like that. But some of the players that have been playing this year have been phenomenal and I can't believe that they're not in the in the squad just for the, the picking. I just, it's, it's, it's unreal, really. I'm here to talk about my man, Mark Noble. Yes! That's the uh, one I was talking about. He's not in the England squad, it's beyond me. I mean, you've got players, okay. Jack drink, Wilshere, two drink, games all I season. Know, but I'm going to say Drinkwater, okay, he's won the league, but I'll put him, above, I'll put him ahead of, of uh, Drinkwater, I would. Wiltshire, Delph, Henderson, all these lot have got caps, but Tell me a player who's been more consistent than Mark Noble over the last three years. I can't name one. And who would want I to play for one. their country more than uh, Mark Noble exactly. as well? I was, trying to, I was trying to be conservative and not say the names, but, there's that, but not Mark Noble, like Anton says, it's, it's unreal how he's not in the England team. I just, don't, I just don't know what they see or what they want to achieve going there with taking players that haven't played all season and there's players that's played all season and played comfortably and done really well because Nobes' stats are higher than anyone's that are in that England team. So it's quite scary to see what they're, what they're looking to achieve. Um, okay, it's time for podcast guest of the year and to announce the award for podcast guest, we've got the official West Ham DJ. DJ Leon is here to do the award. Right, in third place is Tony Cart. Boo. Second place, EastEnders, Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer, second place. And in first place, this man next to me, Marlon Aaron and Dean Ashwood. Ashwood. You're my best podcast. (laughs) Podcast guest of the year, Marlon Harewood. Mate, your acceptance speech. I don't know. It was. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. To be fair, because uh, <laughs> that's I'll, not what you said earlier. Sure, it, 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 it was you and uh, your partner, yeah. Um, James. Yeah, made made it made it good. It was it was it was really good to do it. Obviously, meeting up with Dino again because we don't get to meet up as players like situations until things like that happen, and it was just good reminiscing the questions that you was asking. It was just good to reminisce on on our time at, at West Ham and going through all the players and talking about people. Yeah. You came up a lot. <laughs> the, the names we I can't really reply because everyone will, will reply them now, so I can't say. What, what my nicknames? Yeah. Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, but Anton, you'll be nominated next year for podcast guest of the year. So hopefully this this could be you back on this stage accepting the awards. We'll never know. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, 
Right. Last award of the evening. Final award. Knees at MotherBrown.com Player of the Year. Here to present... Is it G-Unit or is it... Gnome. D- it's DJ. It's gnome. No. Who is it? No. It's the Gnome. Gnome. Come here, mate. Sorry, Gnome. <laughs> i give you this mic, but you can only stand here. Anthony, you give him your mic. There you go. I'll stand up to Hello. Here we go. Okay, um, before I actually announce this... Um, just like a quick word, um, the shenanigans last week with the coach and, you know, we've all seen that sort of stuff and the newspapers made it look like World War Three when we know it wasn't. But um, just thought we ought to have a quick uh, round of applause for a chap who's here tonight. Um, you may have seen the photograph of him helping a couple of innocent bystanders who are a little bit more worried about it than we might have been. So, um, Adam, where are you? Adam Raban, quick round of applause for the, the, the man who helped those people around here. Legend, West Ham legend. Yeah, uh, and um, <laughs> he is here. He's at the back. If you didn't see him, so uh, um, anyway, I shall move on to the, uh, the the Player of the Year award. And um, in third place with 16.2 percent of the vote was Mark Noble, captain. Uh, in second place, um, also not going to the Euros with Mark Noble, with 19.5% of the vote, was Mikel Antonio. <laughs> um, I don't really think I need to announce the, uh, the winner of this one, but I'm going to anyway. 44.2% and uh, coming from an, an enlightened country where they know who to pick, Dimitri Payet. Player of the year. Thank you very much. Well done. There we go, lads. Dimitri Payet, he's been unbelievable this year, yeah? Yeah, he's been, he's been unbelievable. You know, um, he's an icon of the club at the moment. What he's doing and what he epitomises and, and the love that he shows the fans in games and, and when he scores goals, you know, I mean, that's what makes him a hero, you know, and, and to go on top of that, the ability that he's got and what he's producing week in, week out, you know, as a fan, you can't be more happier. Um, so lastly last question of the podcast predictions we've got this new stadium behind us it's huge um, what do you think is going to happen next season West Ham are we a big club now we've always been a big club oh. always been one <laughs> he's winding wind us up <laughs> him, he's, wind, he's winding me up are you sure are you, are you sure you're a West Ham fan you yeah. <laughs> he's winding us up in let's have it right are we a big club now? Fuck it, no. Are you the geezer who was talking about Harry Kane earlier? Who's that? Oh, you've slayed me. <laughs> oh, you've got nothing to say now, have you? <laughs> They're like, we'll be, like, the, this is how this po- the season of this podcast will end. You slagging me off. <laughs> no, but you're taking a piss. Are we a big, cl- are we a big club now? And you said, you said like you meant it. <laughs> Sure, you're a West Ham fan. <laughs> Mate, I'm just gonna have to leave here with a tail between my legs. Oh, he's had the pressure. You absolutely slayed me, right? You just killed yourself. In no. front of our new, you just taken me to my new stadium and you slayed me in front of it, in front of everyone who listens to the podcast. There's nowhere I can go from here. It, I know you got is it your stadium now, is it? Yeah, your stadium. This is now. Look, oh. um, Marlon, we're gonna win the league, How long right? How have you been sporting West Ham for? <laughs> I was hoping you'd gang off on me and the bit that wasn't the podcast, but uh, here we are. 
Um, do you think we're going to win the league? Can it's we... just interesting how... <laughs> <laughs> Bianca, I'm how handing long, over. How long? Seriously, I how long have you been supporting West Ham for? You know, about 90, 1993. Okay, why are you asking the question like that for? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you do know I edit it as well, so I'm cutting all this out. Yeah. Everyone who listens to that will be like, where's that big guy? <laughs> yeah. Who's really on the controls here? Um, I should ask you the question. So, Marlon, we're... So, why are we going to the Olympic Stadium for? <laughs> um, so, Marlon, we're a big club now. Um, we've got this big stadium behind us. As Anton well knows, we're a big club. Um, what do you think we're going to do there? <laughs> so do you want to start again? <laughs> Jack, I was trying to make a neat point for the edit. Uh, <laughs> what uh, do you reckon then? Come on. I'm enjoying oh, this. Well, <laughs> well, jokes aside, it's, uh, to be fair, I, I think it's uh, a big, big step and it's going to be a step that we, we need, to be fair, as a, as a West Ham player and, a, and loads of West Ham fans. It's going to be amazing, I think, obviously going into the Olympic Stadium and selling 50,000 season ticket holders. 52, that 52, 52, 52. 52. There you go. Mate, 50, fans. 50 plus, okay. Um, <laughs> goes to show you the, how big West Ham is, um, that they're going into the Olympic Stadium and it's going to be amazing bringing in crowds and players from all over. I think it's going to be a, a good time for West Ham to, to kick on now to show what uh, West Ham's all about. I mean... I <laughs> I mean, that says it all. Pardon? He's absolutely smashed the geezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're talking though. about the Olympic Stadium. <laughs> I think he wants to Not about Antonio. We're be talking fair about though. the Olympic Stadium. To be right. fair, though, to be fair, I think you do a better job than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do a better job than him. <laughs> no, on a serious note, um... The Olympic Stadium, I mean, like Marlon says, it, it says it all. Selling 52,000 season tickets, you know, and making it affordable, you know, the tickets making the tickets affordable is just unbelievable, you know, it says it all. Um, going from, from season ticket sales down here to them being second in the league below Man United, which is a juggernaut of a club worldwide, you know, that says it all. And to be able to, to do that, you know, there's no reason why we can't start competing. You know, and as a as a fan, you know, I'm 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 over the moon and happy to say that I think we sh we we can start competing. See what Leicester done this year. I don't want to put too much pressure on the lads, but see what Leicester done this year with the stadium that we've got now, the players that we're going to attract. The, the the chairman's talk, the co-chairman's talking about 30 million pound bids for for players. We've never done that, you know. And, and to start talking about them figures for players, you know, it means the club's going in one direction. And as a fan, I couldn't be more happier. <laughs> oh, mate, you Anton has just ended on a lovely note and Reese Oxford's rejected a new contract. We can't end on that. It's been a good year. Um, well, Reese Oxford's rejected a new contract. Anyway, so we'll cut out all the stuff Anton said about him being good. Uh, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> yeah. Sky Sports. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> Well, anyway... Sky sources say... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'll let you know later. <laughs> Off the record. Um, right, gang, that's the end of Series 4 of the official podcast. We'll start the Q&A in a second. 
But in the meantime, let's say goodbye. Thank you to AAA Sport, Graham Howler, who's obviously the editor of These and Mother Brown. Most importantly, everyone who listens. James Longman, who's now dead. And um, <laughs> our new co-host for this year, give it up for Bianca Westwood. Thank you. Um, even though he's ripped me a new one, he's still a top man, Anton Ferdinand. Hey. I want to fall asleep in his arms one day. It's Marlon Harewood as well. And, oh, and also, we have to, even though he's had an absolute stinker tonight. Chris Skull. Hey. You suck. Um, <laughs> right, we'll see you all series five, four, five, five. five. We'll see you for series five in August, and we'll see you for the Q and A in a minute. With people who bought tickets off the record, but from the Knees of Mother Brown podcast, 2015, 2016. Good night. Thank you for coming. And see you at the Olympic Stadium. Come on, you irons! Come on, you irons!